1: What's up, everybody? Week 11 of the Big East Barroom is live. Happy January 23rd to you and those who celebrate. Ryan, we gotta... how are you this fine evening? Thank you for that. We have a beautiful snowy day here in Connecticut on this Monday. Not real snow. Not gonna lie. Not real snow today. Fake snow? No, it's not fake snow, but it's just like this is uh, I don't know. It's like a little it's just not enough for me. It's enough to be an annoying and not enough to cancel school. And that's the worst snow, in my opinion. So you're really just upset because you're being canceled school. Yeah, I did go to work. Okay. Um, but now we do have a little bit of snow on the ground. But good day to be a Big East fan, huh? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. We'd love to see Creighton sneak in there, but we had four ranked teams this week. Um, I don't want to take away from Creighton's time later, but this is my thought process. There are nine, because Creighton got th- like five votes the week before. I think there are five people who are saying Creighton is ranked no matter what. And everyone's like, you're kind of weird because you keep saying Creighton's ranked. Because they won two games this week and only got four more votes. So, like, I don't think they're – I don't mean this in a mean way to Creighton, but I don't think they're, like, trending. I think people are just like, no, we think Creighton's good. Yeah, I think we underestimate how regional AP voters are and people on the Creighton beat like Creighton and people, you know, on the – UCLA beat, don't give a crap about Creighton. Yeah, they're going to look at Creighton's record. But I think – I just worry that they're not trending in the right direction, like people think, because they didn't get – they didn't pick up a ton of votes today. I was looking. I was like, oh, they're going to pick up a ton, and they didn't. I didn't look at all that, so you have more information. Yeah, I think they got nine this week, nine votes. If I'm looking, yeah, nine. But whatever. So four ranked teams. Marquette. Xavier leads us at 13. Marquette at 15. UConn at nine, no Marquette at 16, UConn at 19, and Providence at 23? Anyone egregiously... Yeah, Marquette. Marquette is a top 10 team. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. If AP voters had thought they were a ranked team b- at the beginning of the season, they'd have them top 10 based on the resume. But because they thought that they were going to suck this year, they're getting punished in the polls. But they, they have a top 10 resume. And one of the things is in the preseason, I was telling everyone, I thought Marquette was going to be a really good team. Mm-hmm. Now, check, this, check the facts. Tyler was a Marquette hater. Not like All me. Right. All right. We're doing logos we hate today? Is that what you told me? Before? No, I said logos we like. So you want to go to the logos you hate the most and you want to rank them. No, no, that's not correct. That's interesting. All right, Ryan, wh- which logo? Oh, wait, I think I said I was going to go first. Sure. My least favorite logo. Uh, I'm going to go with the traditional X of Xavier. Just not very creative. It's an X. It's a blue X. And Ryan, you want to put two and a half on the clock to talk about Xavier's weird, weird week? Yeah, let's go ahead and do it. Xavier plays two games. They go to DePaul and they get depauled. Uh, they lose 73-72 to 72, um, in Chicago. And then they come back and they win against Georgetown 95-82. I watched that whole game. Never felt like that game was close in the second half, which is pretty much the story of every single Georgetown um, game this season. Right. DePaul? DePaul? depaul so here, this reminds me of exactly what Sean Miller was saying earlier in the season. He said there's going to be a game where the shots don't fall and you need to have your defense to fall back on. Well, in this game, it was the first game that Xavier's shot didn't fall. Xavier is by, fest, by far the best three-point shooting team in the Big East. In this game, they shot 20% from three, um, 38% from the field, but they gave up 73 points to DePaul. Yep. Yeah. Uh I'm going to give this as a one off. My concern level is like 1% about this game. Um, I thought that Fremantle ha- has looked incredible in these last two games. Um, again, I think Fremantle's played himself in the Big East uh, first team, in my opinion. No, I agree that it's a one off and it's not something I'm seriously concerned about. But, but my point is, is that there's always going to be a game eventually yes. where, where they just can't mm-hmm. get a shot to fall and you need to have a really good defense in those situations, and Xavier's defense has just not shown up. And we saw that again against Georgetown with Primo Spears putting up 37 points. Yeah, I mean, Primo did shoot 27 times to put up 37 points, um, and he shot about 50%. I know, but it was... I believe he shot 31 times. Yeah, so he shot more. Um And Primo gets to his spot better than anyone. He makes tough shots. I don't know how indicative that is of Xavier's defense, but I, I do think Xavier's defense has been poor. Um Sule Boom, I don't think has taken a step backwards, but it's kind of taken a, a step back of not being the lead man of Xavier right now um, when he was dominating the out-of-conference schedule. Um, I, yeah, he had a tough game phew. against DePaul. I'm not, like we said, we're not overly worried. I'm but not worried at all. It's there was called. kind of... Um, Tyler, not worried. There was warning signs for this. Xavier has a huge week coming up. We don't normally go a week in advance, but they play UConn at UConn, and then they play Creighton at Creighton. Do you think a good week for them is one one, or do you think do you think they the way Xavier has star has ascended, they have to go two and zero? I don't think they have to go two and zero. I think they can go zero 2 Um so be yeah. If they go, if they steal one of those games on the road, they're the first team to steal a game on the road against one of the top five teams. Uh, St. John's. uh there's our buzzer for the day yes yeah, st john's did steal the game at uconn but nobody else has stolen a game at one of the top five teams not in the big east right because somebody beat um creighton lost to nebraska uh chances that xavier gets a win next week uh 75 percent. i think they're gonna be creighton Wow. i think they're gonna absolutely i i'm so low on creighton okay. um and i don't think that changes this week um Bry, I know who we're talking about next because we these are the only two teams we talked about pregame. Yeah, uh, if you took Xavier's logo, I'm going Georgetown's logo, which is just a G. It's not very creative. I feel like they could get more creative than that. I feel like the real uh, there are other logos. You didn't put two and a half on the clock yet. No. Um, that have like the dog in them. Is that? Am I wrong? Am I just thinking of things? Why don't you look up um, Georgetown I'm Ch- logo? Troya's logo. Yeah, that's a cool logo. Yeah, but, but that's not the logo that the No, that's not on the one too. I get up the most. The one I see the most is a classic gym. And you know there's smart kids down at Georgetown, so they can come up with a better logo than just a well, G. Well, Ryan, just like the Patrick Ewing, this is stuck in the 1980s, their logo. Georgetown does what Georgetown does best. They play two games, they lose two games. Uh, sorry, the, we recorded our Martin Luther King Day last week. Um, I don't remember if we got that in, but I think we did. Um, they lost to Xavier. Uh, Georgetown can score the ball, Georgetown can't defend. Specifically, who can score the ball? Primo Spears is one of my favorite players in college basketball. Man, he kind of reminds me of Kemba's step back in terms of he can get to his spot and just step back and hit it over anyone. But, I don't know. Should I give my theory that I was giving you the other day about Georgetown's offense? I don't remember. When I was talking about how pre, uh, Georgetown seems to really like long twos. Yep. And... That's just not how you win college basketball. So like Primo Spears goes for 13 um, or no. What did Primo shoot in this game? Sorry. I'm looking at it. He goes thirteen or 15 to 31 for 37 points, which is great. But their offense has to work so hard and then their defense just gives up points. And then I said, I think it's probably because when Patrick Ewing was in college and the NBA, the NBA centered around mid-range offense and Patrick Ewing, which makes it even more terrible that he still has a job because he's not even like evolving so he's just doing what worked for him in the nba and trying to do it in college yeah i don't know if he's out there telling primo to take contested mid-range shots but he's certainly not a threes and layups guy like he's not pushing that narrative and obviously that's the prevailing narrative in basketball at this point when you have someone special like primo listen you let him cook like but you're not gonna i mean 15 of 31 shooting is awesome and that's probably one of the better games of the big east but those 16 missed shots are huge and if you're not hitting the three and you're not hitting layups i mean and you're not going to play defense that's a big issue you're not going to play defense but i just wonder about you know where patrick ewing's offensive philosophy comes from yeah i mean they shot 50 percent from the field as a team which means everybody pretty much you right just as well as Primo spears but they don't play defense they no. haven't played defense all year they don't seem to take any pride in their defense um you know, there's, there's questions about energy and effort as well as questions about understanding defensive schemes. Yeah, and Ewing had a lot of good quotes about his kids this week saying that they haven't given up and stuff. So that's, you know, it's good to hear that at least that it doesn't seem like he's, they've quit. But I'm done with Patrick Ewing. I've said it every time. I will continue to watch Georgetown because I love watching Primo Spears play basketball every single night. I do, you do, Thanks for being my team, um, Nathal. Did you see my quote from Ewing from the book that you gave me? Uh, you posted it, right? Yeah, Patrick Ewing is the greatest player in the history of the Big East by far. Um, there's nobody in the same conversation. This was said by the assistant to Dave Gabbett when the Big East was founded, and he became the second Big East commissioner after Gabbett left for the Celtics. So he kind of knows what he's talking about, and I feel like we're, we're losing sight of that when we talk about Patrick Ewing, but... He's the most important player in the, the history. The best thing he can do right now is quit and leave that team. Um, he's not going to get another opportunity somewhere for a long time anyway. Yep. All right, Ryan. If we're going to basic logos, I'm going to go with the V from Villanova. Um, uh, the, with the blue and the white. And Villanova is the other team that only played one game this week. Um, and they played the Johnnies. And they <laughs> – I don't know how to describe this game. Rock fight? It was ugly. Uh, And they won 57-49 to at Madison Square Garden. My girlfriend turned to me halfway through the game. She said, why are no St. John's games fun to watch? But I, I see, I disagree with her there because I think St. John's is normally fun to watch because I think that they play out of control and they don't play, you know, they just kind of are playing at 100 miles per hour. It's like watching a car crash at all times. This game was, I mean, just brick after brick. I mean, you shot, Villanova shot 36% and St. John's shot 32%. Both teams shot 25 and 32% from three. It was bad. I mean, the game combined for 33 turnovers, that's a turnover almost every minute. Yeah, I will say, if we're talking positives for Villanova, their defense was so much improved compared to what it's been so far in Big East play. Um, I'm going to throw out really quickly, they ran a few different defensive schemes, which you don't usually see with Villanova. They ran their normal switching defense. They also ran zone, and they also ran drop coverage. Um, and tagged on that so uh, neptune's playing with their defense a, a little bit using different ideas um, different schemes to try to hide some of the weaknesses we've seen and then brandon slater was excellent on defense yeah. he was everywhere he was contesting shots he was giving the extra effort and i think and he was the were... best offensive player you know five seven 14 yeah. points um with caleb daniels um one of the things i've kind of liked about and i've noticed recently is just the uptick of mark armstrong minutes Mark Armstrong, you don't see this from a bench player normally. He went for 29 minutes in this game. I mean, they played Whitmore a little bit less. um, But, you know, to see, you know, you don't normally get six guys above 25 minutes in a game. And I think, you know, at this point, Villanova's 10-10. and They're not close to an at-large team. I think their highest ceiling is with Mark Armstrong um, getting about 25 to 30 minutes a game. Yeah, they kind of give him the Caleb Daniels treatment from last year.
0: Where he's almost like
1: a sixth starter out there right now. Yeah. Um also I I don't know if you've been watching Trey Patterson. They've kind of found something with him. He wasn't even in the rotation early, but he's played some really good defense from them for them recently. And he's getting more minutes. Yeah, it's nice to see that Villanova is willing to let those guys have a because you know, they're probably on a ten and ten team, you know, where things they got a lot of veterans. You know these guys are getting a you know to work themselves into the rotations. Don't count the Wildcats out. You can never count the they Wildcats out. They have no out. chance in that large, championship DNA. DM- cannot- no, 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 they won't get in that large. They're, but they're going to Madison Square Garden like every other team. Yeah, and they made St. John's look bad in Madison Square Garden when St. John's had every momentum in the world. Um, and Philly's not far from MSG, and I believe Brandon Slater's won a national championship. No, maybe not. Maybe he's a year short. There's championship DNA on that team. Yeah, I don't know. I'm starting to wonder. Right. what is your fourth least favorite logo? At what point is it a compliment? Uh, there's 11 teams. Not this one. The sixth. When we get to six, this is four. Okay. I will go to Johnny's here because, again, we're just talking letters. Um, well, I, I do think it's the coolest of any of the letters. You leave – really? Then what, why wouldn't you put this one? Well, Marquette's going to go at the end. Oh, that would be a good idea. Um, So I'm going to go Team to Johnny's of the week. here. All right. We're going to put two and a half on the clock to talk about the Johnnies. And we talked about them beating UConn. A lot of teams only played one time this week. Um, We talked about them beating UConn last week. They had all the momentum in the world. I saw their Twitter being optimistic. And I was like, this can't be St. John's Twitter. St. John's Twitter is pessimistic by nature. Fair, most of the time, to be clear. And they went out there and lay an absolute egg against Villanova. I mean, 57-49. to I believe Joel Soriano did his thing. He went down early in that game. Don't know if you saw that. Oh. Um, came out of the game in the oh, first Oh, yeah, somebody minutes. rolled into his knee, right? Yeah, and I was kidding. I was pretty worried. I mean, but he comes back, and he puts up a 14-16 and 16 game and continues to make his point for Biggie's Player of the Year. Um, but, man, I was, I was thinking, you know what? Johnnies are going to get rolling now, and I, I don't know. I don't know who this game said more about, the Johnny's or Villanova. I'm leaning and said more about the Johnny's. I agree. Well, I think it says plenty about both because it's always hard to go in MSG and win a game, especially because it looked pretty sold out. I don't know if you saw the mm-hmm. pictures. Um, 68% full. I mean, that's it? Oh, I don't know. I'm on ESPN says capacity. Let's 19, also give 000, some credit 15, to Joel 000, Soriano's yeah. defense, who held Eric Dixon to one of 10 shooting. He bothered Dixon. Yeah, he was really good. He pushed good. around and Dixon was trying to shoot that baby hook over him and could not. And I don't know if you remember in the first game, there was some words exchanged. And no. um, I believe Mr. Dixon, his father, mentioned that Eric always gets hyped to play against Joel. Well, oh, well that's a, it seems like maybe a Sinogo cockburner type of thing. So he, Soriano got the better of him in this game. Um, he was not the only Eric player. No, Eric Dixon, you know what? And I'm not going to let you get away with that. Eric Dixon's such a team player. Eric Dixon's going home tonight and said he got the better of Joel Soriano. That's a great point. I mean, I love Eric Dixon and I'm so sick of the Johnnies doing this to me. Um so i'd just like to once again point out joel Soriano's not the problem goes, Joel Soriano's is the biggest player of the year right he, now he goes opinion. for 14 points and 16 rebounds yeah and four of 11 shooting like his worst game and he went for 14 and 16 like he nearly had half of the and hurt, hurt his rebounds. knee in the first half that's why he only played 29 minutes he did have half of the offensive yeah. rebounds by himself yeah i mean he was by far the best player um yeah you can't have eight combined turnovers from your two point guards like, Ryan, what do they say in NFL if you have two quarterbacks you have? No quarterbacks. So if you have two point guards right now? Well, if they're committing four turnovers each? like And shooting so poorly? I don't know. I, I just And now we just got the news that Montez Mathis is out for the year. They dropped that. They just drop it casually in the middle of the broadcast and Montez Mathis is going to miss the rest Which of the year. sucks because he's a hell of a player. Can we talk about how different college basketball injuries are than pro athletes? If Tom Brady gets hurt, I know where Tom Brady went to the bathroom where he had lunch that day. Montez Mathis... I didn't even know what he was hurt with, and then he's missing the season. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just, and listen, they're kids. They should get some different privileges, but, man, it's hard to follow with that kind of stuff. Maybe it got dropped at some point, and we just missed it, but it certainly wasn't big news. We're normally paying attention to Big East basketball. It's kind of our shtick. That is. It is. Um, Who do the Johnnies have next week? Uh, Johnnies are going to be playing Creighton at Creighton, and then they play Georgetown. So can they get a win in the next week? Do they break the Georgetown streak? They beat Georgetown. They beat Georgetown. They beat Georgetown. I'm not worried, about, not worried about anyone beating or losing to Georgetown this year. All right, right. Um, Next cool. Now we're into some pretty cool logos. I'm going to go with the next coolest logo because I'm a positive person. I'm going to go Butler. I think some of the stink of Butler recently. See, I, I disagree with you, and I'm on the record. In a battle of dogs, I think Butler's got the cooler logo. Than the Huskies? I think a bull, the Bulldog's cooler than the Husky. Wow, we came from a family that had Huskies. Yeah, uh, the Twitter of literal Husky fans, not UConn Huskies. Oh, well, to Ryan. Um, Butler me. lost by a combined 21 plus 30, 51 points to week. Ryan. Is that good? That is what I would consider a poor showing. They lost to Creighton by 21 um, <laughs> at Butler, and then they lost by 30 to UConn at uh, XL Center. Um Get the the nice stuff out of the way. Manny Bates didn't play, so hold out. Hope that you're a different team when Manny Bates plays. Yeah, I do think they're missing Manny Bates a lot right now. They can't rebound without him, and they don't have much of a half-court offense without him. And I know he didn't have a great start to the Big East Conference play, but what he did in non-con, he was kind of their outlet on both of those. Does Butler have a quad to win? Yeah, they beat Kansas State, who's ranked. No, they didn't beat Kansas State. Providence beat Kansas Oh, they did beat Kansas State. They beat Kansas State early. I'm sorry. I was going through this looking, but I was thinking that they every conference game they've lost has been into a team that they should have lost to, and they beat Georgetown, they beat DePaul, and they beat Villanova. Yeah, they beat Kansas State. What's the kid from Florida? Um, Keontae Johnson? Keontae Johnson. It yeah. was on that team. He had a really good game. Well, they're but... ranked like third in the country right now, yeah. Kansas State or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Talk but, about uh, problems in, in Butler? I mean, you saw them live. Athletes. I mean, Chuck Harris had a really good game when we went, but it just didn't look like they had the athletes. Uh, Seamus Lakosius can get to a spot, plays a little bit of a Luka Doncic type of basketball where he gets to a spot, plays at his speed the entire time. They didn't have the size. They didn't have the athletes. They didn't have the offense to keep up with the UConn in that game. And then they didn't play the defense to keep up with them either. I think they just don't have the athletes to break people down one-on-one. or to, You know, they've got a lot of... yeah. Chuck Harris played really well in that game, so it was hard for me to say that. But, yeah, no, I mean, they were they, – that was – it was an ass-whooping. Um, I've been saying that no one puts butt in Butler like Butler. It's not clever. <laughs> yeah, it's not. No one puts the butt in Butler. Um, how often do you see this? They shot about twice as well from three as they did from two against Creighton. That game was close in the first half, if I'm not mistaken. It was an eight point game, yeah, at halftime. Um, they shot fifty seven percent from three as opposed to Listen, whatever. 20. Thad mod is gonna figure it out. We have some great butler friends. Shout out Yuli. Um, many many baits being on the team makes a difference, but He's not a 51-point difference over two games. Butler is clearly, in my opinion, the 10th best team in the um, Which Big Which begs East. the question, are the three worst teams in the Big East this year the same as the three worst last year? Which no, was because Villanova's worse than um, DePaul this year. Hot take. You don't like that, do you? You don't like that. I mean, they lost head-to-head. We'll see if uh, Villanova defends their house against DePaul. DePaul has the best win in the Big East this year of uh, Big East conference play uh or st john's it depends what yukon is yeah i mean at home for yukon versus on the road for xavier yeah but xavier was streaking and yukon is going in the wrong direction i know it's that doesn't f- matter but uh, it's a fair point there's semantics to it all right ryan you're up i think yep and, and so i've already said i'm gonna go uh with the yukon huskies here you let me down again this week um Played one of the better games in the big – well, one of the better endings in the Big East. Casey Nadefo it's a buzzer beater. Which is our buzzer today. Um, against UConn at Seton Hall. And then UConn goes in and gets a get-right game against Butler. Um, but I want to focus on the Seton Hall game because it was kind of a continuation of some things. UConn plays their best first half in about two months. They go for 40 – you know, they go out and win 40-26. to 26. Um, Hawkins was looking really good. Sanogo had looked good in the first half. And they completely lay an utter egg in the second half, losing 26-41, to 41, which is why they lose that game by one point. Yeah, they just missed some shots that they needed to hit, I believe, down the stretch. Uh, I believe Sanogo missed a couple bunnies, mm-hmm. am I correct? Mm-hmm. And then Alex Caravan missed a three that he could have hit at the end to kind of ice the game before they gave in Defo the chance to win the game. Um, the offense... I mean, they scored twenty six points and a half. UConn needs to get into their offense a lot quicker because UConn thinks that they're going to be able to make get whatever shot they want off at any given time, and then they don't realize that right now they don't. Their offense isn't going that way. You can't dribble the ball and hand it off for for fifteen seconds of a shot clock. But well, that goes into my theory that Danny Hurley runs really complicated offense yeah, and ends up hurting like the that. team. I, you know, the best coaches in the NBA and in college right now don't run really complicated offense. They run ball screens over and over again. I think Hurley thinks he has to because of the teams he's had in the past. This team, I don't know if you have to do that. I agree. And listen, here's, and now let's go positive because that's a minute and a half of negative. Tristan Newton looked like a different player against Butler. Um, Adama Sinogo absolutely dominated on a player that he was, was a little bit smaller than him. He goes for 16 and 16, I think, at one point in that game. Um, Jordan Hawkins continues to look like he could make a run for Biggie's first team. There were re- there were glimmers, but was it Butler? or Was it UConn? And we're gonna find out on Wednesday. But, but overall, I still think it's a down week for them. I think like trending slightly, like if it's a ramp, like they're a little bit slightly down because yeah. Seton Hall was trending so up right. that I think it's just a little bit of a ramp because Butler is. So but in terms big, of whether it's, or it's up or down, it's it's just it's not a good yeah. week. No, but I think if you're a UConn fan right now, you're saying Butler is what. You know, that's what we are more of. We're a team that wins by 30. Clinging to hope. Yeah, clinging to hope. Yeah, I I don't know. We'll see what happens with this team. I got a fun fact for you. What if I told you... Fun fact. ...that UConn takes the most three-point shots of any team in the Big East? Is that surprising to you? No, because we've talked about the Providence game was clear. That's when, like, that... Narrative started, so. They certainly didn't do that last year. No, because they didn't have the shooters to do that last year. Wow. It's, uh, it's not working. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Your pick. All right. You went with UConn. Um, see, we're down to three logos that I kind of really like. I'm going to go Seton Hall, although I really do like that logo a lot. Um, are, you're not missing the blue demons, are you? Um, no, because they're a demon. I'm not going to pick them no, next. No, but I believe there's four teams. Four teams, sorry. I was missing the demons, but I'm not going to pick them next. Seton Hall... See, I disagree. Uh, And give me a minute. I believe the Pirates is the coolest logo on the Big East. Well, that's okay. I mean, everybody has wrong opinions. I think that's a hell of a logo. Seton Hall fans, if you're listening, I was on your side. All right. Seton Hall plays two games this week. As we talked about, they beat UConn 67-66. And then they kind of got their ass whooped by uh, Marquette 74-53. So you want to do a little Optimist Pessimist? Uh, Optimist? Do I get to be Optimist again? Be whatever you want. Casey Nudefo. (laughs) Casey Nudefo was... In the second half, the best player on the court in the UConn-Seton Hall game. And it wasn't close. Pessimist? The defense just lacks consistency. They gave up 74 <laughs> points at home to Marquette when their defense is supposed to be their calling card. And they just were giving up way too much easy stuff to Marquette. Kadari um, Richmond getting to the line against UConn looked like the Kadari Richmond we saw last year at different times. Um, kind of controlled the pace in that whole entire second half. Listen, if you're Seton Hall right now. You should be thrilled with a one-on-one week because you played three out of four bad halves. (laughs) Yep, yep. (laughs) You you played three out of four bad halves, and you go Um, one-on-one. Quick, another pessimist. Kadari Richmond's hurt. Oh, is he? What happened? He was injured at the end of the Marquette game. Well, at least that's what they claimed. Some people were speculating that they benched him and then said he had tweaked something. Uh, Well, I hope he's not hurt because Kadari Richmond is one of the more fun players to... He's one of the more matchup nightmares. You know, he ranks as one guard. of the best defenders in the on the advanced metrics. Really? Yeah. He um, is a matchup nightmare for players. He's bigger than most point guards. Um, he can shoot a little bit if you sag off, and he's fast. Um, gets to the hole pretty much at will. So I don't know. I hope I hope nothing wrong with Kadari. Um, that Casey and Defoe highlight will live in Seton Hall, you know, Hall of Fame for a while because that is a quality quality win in a game where you got punched in the mouth and they didn't give up. And they and they and they win a game that they're not supposed to win against a team they're not supposed to beat. They should be. If I'm a Seton Hall fan, just like I said, if I'm a UConn fan, I'm hanging my hat. I'm hanging my hat on that UConn game and saying that's who we are. We're not that. We're not the team that lost by 21. When Seton Hall's defense is locked in, they are the best defense in the conference. Yeah, they have the length, they have the defensive structure, and they have a potential defensive player of the year in Casey and Defoe. The problem is, is that they're not locked in enough, and then uh, you know that's why Shaheen Holloway re- reacts the way he does and gets so frustrated. Yeah, Holloway got um he did come out and say Alexis Yetna is not playing this year. Is um, that how he said it? He said Alexis Yetna, sir, I am not playing this year. Yeah, no, he got a, it. Seemed like he was a little agitated at times. Um, Holloway's figuring it out. I think Holloway's also finding out that in a bigger market, the um, every soundbite is a little bit uh, louder. That's that's my thought on that one. and Hall, chances to make the tournament. I mean, we're talking bubble at this point. I think they're still first four, first eight out, but we're talking bubble. I'm gonna go like forty five percent. Like I think they're, I think they're pretty close to making it. It all depends on what those kids decide to do. If they decide to play like they did against UConn, and it's just an effort thing a lot of the time. Yeah, but listen to their next three games. They're gonna play Butler, St. John's, and DePaul. If they go three and zero that against those three teams. I mean, we're talking about a team that – and then they have Villanova. They have Georgetown still on their schedule. They have another Villanova. I mean, there's a good chance, I think, in my opinion that they're – I think they need to steal one more Q1. They can't just lose at home to – I mean, they've already lost at home to Marquette and Xavier, right? Yes. They could be – they're going to play Creighton. At home? No, they're going to play Xavier at home, Creighton at home, and they're going to play at Providence. Those are their their – They lost to Providence and Marquette at home. Yes. So they need to steal either Xavier or Creighton. Yep. Uh, I don't think they have to, but we'll see. All right, right. We have two more teams with the coolest logo. You have the DePaul Blue Demons or the Creighton Blue. No, we have three. Sorry, DePaul, Creighton, Providence. I'm gonna go DePaul here, um, mostly because I usually can't tell what it is. It's very... Do you like enjoy pissing off all of DePaul? Fans? Like, look, it, it literally a... looks like Darth Vader. It's scary looking too. I'm not into it. We went to a school called the Blue Devils. Yeah, but I don't. I'm not into that. No, thank you. I really just want everyone on DePaul to roast you. Because DePaul comes into this week and goes 1-1. One and, one, and they beat the best team in the Big East, at least record-wise, 73-72. to 72. And then I thought they played a really good game against Providence. They lost by 11, and I know that. But I didn't think that was as indicative of how they played. I thought I thought that they were absolutely... Emoja was hitting his threes. Deshaun Nelson was playing really well. I thought they could have been in that Providence game a little bit. I thought the final score didn't clearly um say what they did i agree with you i think they showed a ton of promise i think that the story of the week has to be caleb murphy oh yeah who just slotted in and kind of changed everything about DePaul. that kid is a pure athlete he gets to the hole at absolute well he's got ridiculous bounce he's fast yeah. he's quick hang um, time yeah his ability to readjust in mid was impressive um I guess the problem with the ball still continues to be their defense. No lock was shooting warm up jumpers during that game, wide open. I mean, not to take away from No Lock Love, No Lock, but he dropped thirty points, and I mean, he, nobody was near him at points. Yeah, their defense is a work in progress. Double field with his zone sometimes in that game. I mean, he's trying everything, and I agree with you that it wasn't um, as bad as the final score was. Yeah, like, you know, I want to do a pessimist. What happened to Zion Cruz? Kid, isn't he like a borderline five-star recruit? He'll get there. He'll be fine. Are you just saying that? He just needs another year. He, he'll be fine. And you know what? That's good news for us. We get to watch him for another year. Well, that's really optimistic. Um, I hope he's good too, but I just, I'm worried about him. But listen to this lineup that Stubblefield is now putting together. You got Deshaun Nelson, who is the best player in the Big East. No, Nope. No, to be clear, you cannot trash DePaul regularly and then go out for uh, you I've never met a bigger Deshaun Nelson fan. Caleb uh, Caleb Murphy. Your a, Javon Johnson, and Umoja Gibson. That's, that's a pretty good starting five. Yeah, and Gerber... Geber- Geber- Geberwet. is really good three-point shooter. Perfect. I mean, he was in the beginning of the year. He was at the top of the conference. And Kayla Murphy, I mean... I had Murphy. Oh, so You just have ball handlers on that team right now. You got a lot of really nice pieces. I if mean, you, you, can, have, you have three legitimate point guards. You have really good scorers, too. Yeah, God. I hope Umoja... Does Emoja Gibson have more eligibility left? Why is there not a website for me to figure this out easily? Uh, a lot of the times nobody Emoja Gibson doesn't know half the time. Not, I'm sorry, not okay. specifically. Emoja Gibson has been playing since 2017. 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. There is no way Emoja Gibson has another year of eligibility. That'd be his seventh year. Yeah, he would have redshirted that first year. Yeah, he got two but he's been a bucket his whole entire career. Um. How do you do? I wonder if he was on that team with Brady Manick and Kirk Queth at Oklahoma. I don't know if those are Oklahoma years. It just doesn't even tell me. Um, I'm going to figure that out, though. No, he wasn't at Oklahoma. This is when he was at uh, UTEP. Not UTEP. North Texas, which made the tournament a few years ago. Um, and then he went to Oklahoma in 2020. That COVID year might be the Bra- I believe Man- that's Kirk Queth and Brady Manning. Yes, We're on that team. I believe so too. All right, right, I'm going to go with the Providence Friars as my second to last, no, second best logo in the Big East. Rye, right, Providence played two games this week and Providence went one and one I believe, right? They played this Marquette game as part of this week. Yes. And they went one and one Um, They lost to Marquette 83-73 at Marquette, and they beat DePaul 75-64 in a game we just talked about. Um, Talk about Marquette. Talk about – what do you want to talk about? What are we talking about? I think this team starts and ends with their front court, um, Ed Croswell and Bryce Hopkins. Yeah, and in the Marquette game, they they combined for 39 points um, on 17 rebounds. They shot uh, 18 of 28. Like, they played really well. I think they need – I think – They need someone other than the big three to score. And the big three are Hopkins, Croswell, and Carter. And if you get a game like Noah Locke just had, that's your third. Um, If you get a game where Alan Breed scores or Jared Bynum scores a bunch when he comes back or um, Clifton Moore, one of those, you need, I think, a fourth guy who can be in double digits consistently. Um, And they've shown they can do that. This isn't an indictment about them. They've shown they can do that repeatedly. And there's no shame to losing at Marquette. No. What What was the stat I had? Like... Coming into this week, Big East teams were 90 and 16 at home. Like, and that's including everyone except Georgetown. Like, you don't lose home games this year in the Big East. You know, that's that's kind of where I'm at with that. You're not losing home games. I think there's such an Ed Cooley team, this Providence team. They're tough, they rebound, they look for fights. Um, Like, they're dumb dudes. Like, I think that – I know it's just uh, Providence propaganda right now, but I really love this team. I love how they reflect their coach. Yeah, I was really impressed by Noah Locke um, on – what's it called? On Saturday. He kind of took that step forward where I'm kind of like, all right, this team – I was kind of like, oh, this team can be pretty good in Big East play, but we'll see, you know, if they get a tournament bid, what are they going to look like? And Noah Locke was that missing piece for me. And when he started looking like that, I was like, oh, well – you know, not that just the twenty nine points, but you know, he, it kind of added on to what he's done before. Yeah, and he's shooting something like forty five percent from three in conference yeah, play. It's a, it's not a natural stroke to me. I mean, it's a little bit off to the side, um, kind of a Kerry Kittles vibe, in my opinion. He he doesn't square his shoulders until he's in midair, which yeah. I don't like. But he keeps hitting. Yeah. Devin Carter's an animal. Devil, devil, do do? All what? right, right. We're gonna end with the Creighton Blue Jays, because we will talk about Marquette in the game of the week. Right, Creighton plays two games. Creighton gets two wins. Uh, No, sorry, Creighton plays one game. They need to put dates next to these. Creighton beat Butler. Um, What do you want to talk about with Creighton? Did you know that Creighton's defense is higher ranked than their offense on Ken Palm? Um, No, and wouldn't have guessed that, but is that because of Ryan Kochbrenner perhaps? It is. 100% 100% from Ryan Cockbrenner. So I have two minutes on the clock here. So I'm going to spend two minutes talking about how much I love Ryan Kalkbrenner. He changes every facet of the game. He, you cannot measure the amount of layups Butler did not take because they were getting into the paint and Ryan Kalkbrenner was standing there waiting for them. Ryan, if you love Ryan Kalkbrenner and you say he's such a good player, why did he have the second least amount of rebounds of any starter, defensive rebounds in the game? Why, Ryan? He had nine rebounds against yeah. Butler. Yeah, did you see how many defensive, though? Do you see how many offensive? So he, Ryan Nemhardt, little Ryan Nemhardt has to carry the team. That's what you want? Get now, it. Ryan Cockburner is really good. Um, changes a lot of shots. He doesn't even get as many blocks anymore because people have just started, like, just trying to throw up random stuff around him. Yeah, they're just not taking the shot. I mean, yeah. you, would see them, you would see the Butler guards beat their man and get in towards the paint and just turn around when they saw Cockburner. Yeah I, yeah, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. I'm, I, Fred King continues to look really good. I'm coming off the bench. Uh, give Creighton some credit for developing some of these guys in Cockburner's absence. And he just bullied... Um, Turnbull. Uh, Butler's backup center Turnbull. there. Turnbull. Um, if they managed to... Why don't you admit it's Turnbull. He's a hell of a player, Paterno. Um, if McDermott manages to sync that up, where Frederick King is going against the backup center, yeah, there's not a lot of backup centers that can play. Like with only that. one I can think of off the top of my head: Donovan Clingan. Donovan Clingan, oh. and I, yeah, I, um, they have a balanced attack. They're best when they're all five of their starting five are in double digits, which was pretty much the case against Butler with Kluma getting nine. Nobody took more than ten shots. That was Trey Alexander he hit five of them. It was very balanced in terms of. Shot attempts. Yeah, it's a blowout where if you looked at this box score, you would not have said this is a blowout. Yeah, this was a great game from Creighton. Yeah, no, this was a complete domination. This is, we're the better team. We're going in there. We're going to play a full 40 minutes and we're going to beat you. And the difference between them and Xavier is they have their defense to fall back on. Xavier's a much better offensive team than Creighton, in my opinion. They much have much better. They have been this year, but in terms of weapons, are you you, you think Creighton doesn't have the weapons? No, because I think Sully Boom is better than Ryan Nemhart offensively. I think Baylor Shireman's better than um, J- Kunkel, but I think offensively, I think Colby Jones is better than Kaluma um, offensively, or Tricky Chay, um offensively. I think that Fremantle is better than Kaluma offensively, and I think Nunji is better than Cockburn offensively. I think you're pretty darn close. I'm not saying They any. might be close. They, I mean, that's fair. All right, everybody. We are joined by the leading assist man in the Big East. And we thought, you know what? If we're going to talk about Marquette as the team of the week, we might as well have the Tyler Kolak on. Tyler Kolak, thank you for joining us this fine um, evening
0: now. I guess we're into evening yeah thanks for having me i appreciate you guys having me on
1: man it's so great to have you here and you guys had a hell of a week this week i mean you've had a lot of hell of weeks this year (laughs) um but another great week this week you got two wins uh you defended home court against providence and then you went over to new jersey and and got a roadkill also so let's start with that providence game um kind of a revenge game for you guys after you had lost the double ot one in providence um you want to speak on that a little bit what you know, you went for 19 points, eight rebounds, six assists. You were all over the court. Uh, kind of what was the strategy and what were what were you guys looking to do different compared to your first matchup with Providence?
0: Yeah, I mean, the mindset, like you said, our, our theme of the game, we, we got one of those for every game. Our theme of the game was payback because, you know, they were the first team that we played again that had beaten us. Um, but, you know, the mindset going into the game, we really they really scored on us last time. You know, Bryce Hopkins, I think, had 29 the first game uh and however many rebounds he might have had 20 rebounds in that game uh but it was really really focusing on on him trying to trying to take away their a option um and then really just trying to rebound the ball i mean Providence is, is a physical team uh we know that Croswell is a, a physical guy um hopkins physical guy carter gets on the glass you know you know coach cooley really really does a great job instilling toughness in those guys um so you know we were trying but we were trying to be the tougher team and and Really try and lock down on those guys.
1: And I love what you guys did uh, against Hopkins this week, doubling him so often. Am, am I right in saying that you didn't do that as much in the first game?
0: Yeah, I mean, we kind we kind of left him not so much on an island, but you know, you know, I, I mean, he did he did great things against us in the first game. Uh, so we kind of, you know, had to we had to do something different. He kind of forced our hand. So yeah, it was great stuff. Um,
1: let's see, Cam Jones goes for twenty one points in that game four of eight uh, from three. Does Kim Jones ever hit the ceiling in practice with his three-pointers? That's a, the, what the people are asking. Because, man, that ball comes out of the frame for a little bit and then falls right in.
0: Yeah, I mean, we call it the moon ball. I mean, so he he never really used to shoot like that. And then, you know, one day earlier in the season, uh, he started doing it in practice. And, you know, coaches yelling at like, shoot your normal shot, like it's stuff like that. So, but, you know, I mean, he's a hell of a shooter. I You know, if he can shoot like that, coach always says, You can shoot better than me. So I can't tell you how to shoot. But, you know, that's something he can really make shots. I'm really impressed with the way he's attacking the rim this year. Last year, it seemed like he was
1: more of a spot up guy, um, corner threes and stuff like that. But this year, he's shooting a really high percentage around the rim. Is that just practice? Is that him just getting a little bit older? Like, what do you
0: attribute that to? Is he just has he always had that? And last year he had to play a role. Yeah. I mean, that's a little bit of everything. Like you said, it's, it's credit to him really working his ass off in the off season Um, and also him just, you know, coming into this new role that, that we needed him in. And, you know, he, he goes out every night for us and and does exactly what we ask him to do. Um, You know, he's kind of like our our microwave guy. I mean, he, he can, he can go out there and give you 20 in five minutes, which is, which is pretty incredible. But like you said, him finishing around the rim, I mean, he's just super crafty. I mean, he's not, He's not elevating above the rim. He's not even elevating above the backboard. Really, he's kind of just, you know, getting in the lane, getting to his spots. I mean, he he can finish with the best of
1: them. Sure. And you go for eight rebounds in that game. I know you mentioned um, that that was something that was important due to the rebounding problems that had in your first matchup. What did you kind of do differently to make sure that you weren't going to let that happen this time?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just just gang rebounding. I mean, everybody coming down. Even you know, a lot of the times the guards aren't the ones that are crashing. Um, so, you know, if if the bigs are boxing out and I'm, I'm guarding a guard, I can come down, and you know, clean up those rebounds, because a lot of the rebounds kind of they hit the floor. I mean, a lot of them aren't really up at, you know, 10, 11 feet in the air, Um, you know, but if so, if you get everybody boxed out, the people that are crashing, which you know, in that case was, you know, Carter, Croswell, Hopkins, um, maybe one or two of the guards, um, but, you know, then you can get those longer rebounds. Absolutely. So
1: then you go and you play on the road against Seton Hall and Seton Hall's kind of trend was trending in the right direction. Um going into that game, physical team. And you guys kind of made it not a contest early. What's the mindset going into a team that's kind of streaking like that. Do you even pay attention to that? Or are you just like, this is Seton Hall. This is our game plan. We're going to go against them.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we knew, we knew what they had done, uh, the previous couple of games, uh, but you know, we wanted to come in and just be us. I mean, uh, we had a game plan just kind of, we kind of had to stand up to them. Cause like you said, they, they kind of, kind of perceive as this, this tough team um, that really wants to grind it out on the defensive end. And, you know, we kind of had to, we had to do that to them. We had to impose our will on defense on them uh, to really, to really get it down the road. And I'm glad you said that because um
1: I've been so impressed with you guys' defense as of late, obviously the metrics, they're not as kind to your defense as your offense, but your defense this week was really stellar. I mean, you forced how many turnovers against Seton Hall? Uh a turnover twenty-six ball. turnovers.
0: Yeah.
1: Um yeah. getting your hands into every passing lane. I know that has to be a point of emphasis, but would you speak on that?
0: Yeah. So I mean deflections goes hand in hand with with turning people over. Um, you know, that's a that's a thing that we preach, you know, just being really active on defense in the in the passing lanes and stuff like that. But you know, like you were talking to you know, metrics and stuff like that. But, you know, I think I think we jumped a little bit after that Seton Hall game. But, you know, the, we play so fast, it's, it's not an excuse. But, you know, a lot of teams, get, we get up and down on them, so we get the pace of the game going, which is kind of tricky with those metrics.
1: That's a great point. Tyler, I was I, – I know you don't probably see Twitter, but I, was, I had a fan fiction the other day that you and Oso have to be best friends off the court because the chemistry you have between each other it's, you don't, it doesn't look like you see him half the time. And then all of a sudden he's under the basket and he's the best passing big I've seen in the big East this year. How does you get that chemistry with a player like that? Is it just years of experience or do you know, like have something like a, you know, a special friendship where it's, you know, off the court, you guys are hanging out every day. So it's easy on the court.
0: I mean, it's a little bit of everything, uh, you know, off the court on the court, but you know, last year we weren't really playing together as much in practice, uh, just because, you know, we kind of went first five, second five. He was with that second group. So I kind of played more with Kerr. Um, but you know, this year, this this spring, this summer, um, this fall, we really worked hard, you know, as as, you know, the two guys that, that would be handling the ball primarily, um, and, and trying to create stuff on offense for the for the team. Uh, you know, we really put pride in in building our relationship and and building it on and off the floor. Um, and it definitely shows in the games. I mean you know, we're, we're pretty connected out there.
1: He's the most skilled big in the big East. You'd say that, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he can shoot, if, if this summer, I, I'm going to tell you, he's going to be able to shoot threes. He's going to come back and you guys aren't going to. You so gonna you're telling these. me he and you will be in college for a while <laughs> and be tormenting the rest of the big East. I mean, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, I mean, we, uh, you don't want to look too far forward. You know, you <laughs> just want to focus on, on what's going on now and kind of enjoy the ride. Cause you know, College goes fast, man. I mean, it's my third year in college, and it feels like I just went to George Mason last week. So, absolutely. Um, that's also the game of Chase Ross's dunk. Is he, is he doing that in practice? What was that like? Oh yeah, he's he's one of the most athletic guys on the team. He's, you know, he doesn't look that big. He's probably about six four. Uh, you know, but when he drives, he he's violent down the lane. I mean, I wouldn't want to jump with him.
1: <laughs> that that was a hell of a dunk.
0: Yeah. Any other
1: questions you have for Cole
0: from this week?
1: From this week? No, I mean, just not the, the beating of problems I was going to ask you about if you guys see it as a revenge game. And it seems like you guys kind of – that's some bulletin board material that we don't just hype up in the – you know, off the court. It seems like that's some stuff
0: that you're actually conscious of um, when you go into a game like this. I yeah, I mean, on the Big East, it's different than a lot of the other conferences because you get to play people home in a way, um, right. So you kind of get, get two cracks at them. Uh, so if, if they get you once, then it's, you know, extra motivation. You know, anybody who's beat us, it's kind of extra motivation the next time to kind of come out there and, and show them that, that, you know, that we can win this time.
1: Uh, where does where do you go from here? I mean, obviously, you, you're looking at the NCAA tournament, you're looking at the Big East tournament. Any bold predictions you want to make?
0: <laughs> I'm not one <laughs> to make predictions. Uh, you know, they asked me about something before the year, and I gave a, a pretty – blatant response on, uh, what I thought about T-shirts. other. People. Yeah. I mean, we could sell those. I mean, you know, a little promo, if you guys want to buy those, uh, a little yeah. explicit word on it. Uh, but, you know, I, I gave my opinion on that then. And, you know, I, I think the same opinion goes for, for the rest of the year. I mean, we're still trying to, you know, people still don't believe in us and, you know, we're just every day trying to come out make them believe in us and, and show them that, that we're really here to, to stay. Uh-huh. All right, Ty, well, we really appreciate you coming on and doing this um, part of this.
1: Um, we got one more little part we're going to do for the rest of the people who are listening to the interview, but for this week of the Biggie East Barroom, we are all set. Thank you for everyone. All right, Steve, thank you. You know what that means, boys and girls, children of all ages. It is mail time. Ryan, are you going to be able to contain your excitement after the guest we just had on? No, no, I won't. That was really cool. All right. Um, we are going to – we have some great mailbag questions this week. and If you stayed this long to listen, we're going to try to answer them. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on Big East first team. Well, you just heard from my point guard of the Big East first team, and that is Mr. Tyler Kolick. Uh, Boom, I had on my Big East first team. Joel Soriano, um, Adama um Zach Fremantle, Bryce, and please. Bryce Hopkins as my fifth. I also said I would pick either Shaka Smart or Ed Cooley as my coach of the year. Yeah, noticeably, the Big East picks six people for their first team, only five for their second team. Try to explain that. Um, I Four locks we'd agreed on on Soriano, Boom, Colick, and uh, Hopkins. Mm-hmm. They have to be on every list right now. And then the last two are a little more up in the air. I had Shireman and Sunogo, but I don't... Fremantle has a case. Cockburner has a case. Um, name some more: uh, Jordan Hawkins, as Jones, the Cam oh. Jones. Yeah. Oh. Um, what is your response? People who say the conference is trash compared to the Power Five conferences—they don't they know DePaul. Uh What week should be DePaul ranked three weeks ago? Thank you. Um, when should non-Catholic members' schools be forced to convert? I don't know the answer. It's not a holy war, but it's a per—it's not a purge either. It's when you go, you know the word. I've been think talking about this since before we recorded. All right. Uh, Biggest draft prospect. Um, other than Whitmore. Jordan Hawkins, Andre Jackson. Thomas Go is on the list. Um, if you want a guy I think would make a great plur- – oh, Primo Spears. Oh, yes, Primo Spears is a great pick. Olivier Mexen's Prosper. Yes, great pick. Um, I think Joel Soriano would be a really good center about 10 years ago, 15 yeah. years ago. But I really like Joel Soriano's game. Um, the F. Um, one of our favorite Seton Hall fans – um, Ethan asked, what is it like? Um, what Not what is it like. Shaheen Holloway's tirades after the game, F-bombs and stuff. Do you care? I don't love it because obviously there are kids watching this. College basketball is kind of you know marketed towards kids um, at times. But I think Shaheen Holloway is the real deal, and he was really speaking honestly in those moments. Shaheen Holloway, I know these we call them kids. These are all, all adults on the team. They can hear the F-word um and he's passionate and he's authentic and i wasn't referring to the kids on team i mean like the high school yeah kids. no no i know but i'm just saying like i know we say they coach kids but they don't coach kids at the end of the day right i know you weren't talking about those kids um nick ireland asks um a big east tournament home field or big east home field advantage biggest one the amp yeah, both agree with? yeah the dunk. Uh Cintas Center when it gets rocket it's been fun. to Cintas is cool. Pfizer V is great. Um, Gamble can get up there. Which five or six biggies teams represent the biggest style problem for one another? Um, I had Xavier going against Creighton. Um, I just think that their offense, that Creighton is kind of Xavier light, and it's going to be hard for them to keep up. You said the opposite. I, I did. I picked the opposite because Creighton's defense and especially Ryan Cockburner, um, you know. Anchoring that defense could be an issue for the high-octane offense of Xavier. Scarlet 4 fox asks, which Big East team plus which Big East player have been the biggest surprise this season? Marquette, Joel, Soriano. Marquette, Joel, Soriano. I will go Suli Boom, and I will go, um, let's go negative, I guess, um, Georgetown. Georgetown. Georgetown, George there. How many Big East teams make the Sweet 16? Um, I, I think three. Uh, yeah, I'll say three. I think UConn, Xavier, and then Providence or Marquette. You're going to say that after talking to Tyler Colick that he might not make the Sweet 16? No, Tyler Col- Tyler going to make the Sweet 16. He's a lock. Rank the fan base how annoying they are. We can't do that. Sorry, Yuli, We love you, but can't. Um, who is the next St. John's head coach? The next one? That would mean after Mike Anderson, and it doesn't mean that Mike Anderson has to be gone. Uh, Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino. Um Yeah, Rick Pitino. <laughs> All right, everybody thank you for listening to this week of the big east bar room um you can tell we're really hyped still about the tyler colick thing um that was really 40 minutes of really cool interview we're gonna release the rest of the interview later this week so please go on and listen to it um on spotify be on the lookout for that um nicest guy we've talked to only guy we've talked to great guy super special edition of the big east Barroom and uh you know, big things to come. Yeah, we appreciate all of you and thank you for pulling up a stool as always. Ballroom out.